Like I say, we're starting a new series today. Um, we begin our series, Let's Talk, Communicating His Story. And it's a series about communication. And communication is what we do when we want to transfer a thought from our mind into the mind of someone else. And there's different vehicles we use to do that, words, pictures, different places to do that, social media, in person, lots of different ways we do it. But communication is what we do to exchange information with other people. And like I say, it usually involves words, sometimes pictures, but mostly talking. So let's talk. Uh, communications is something that we all do. Um, and it's something we could probably all learn to do better. It's an essential life skill to be able to communicate well with other people. It's important. And there are a lot of problems that occur probably mostly as a result of poor communication, just not understanding what another person means, whether it be in marriage or family or in the public sphere or context, there are a lot of issues that could probably be helped a lot just by better communication, better being able to understand what people are telling us and better being able to better communicate what's in our mind. And words are power, powerful and should be handled with care. And it's important that we learn how to do that. It's important that whatever means we use to communicate, that we attempt to do our best with that. And as a personal supplement to this series, and I challenge you to do this as well, I'm making an attempt to take the principles that I learn as we go through this, as I study for myself and to share with you, take the principles that I'm learning through this study and apply them to reaching out and speaking with other people, um, talking to other people more. And I've been doing that a lot this past week, and most of that has been online with people because we talk to people a lot online these days um, with mixed results, but I'm, I'm working on it. Um, so take the things that we learn and engage with other people. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said that you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go into the world and you're going to tell people about me. And the word witness, as it's used in the context, means someone who has information or knowledge about something. Witness, witness is someone who can give information, they can bring light to a subject, or they can confirm something. That's what a witness is. And as a follower of Jesus, we have a specific message to communicate, the message of Jesus, to tell people his story. We communicate the gospel with people, how Christ died, how he rose again for our sins, and there are a lot of Christians, churches, um, musicians, pastors in the world who are doing a, a wonderful job of communicating that message. And then, uh, but also, frankly, many struggle with that. Many struggle with how to do it or get off topic. So we're going to go to Scripture and look at how Jesus and his followers communicated with people in different scenarios, in different places. Um, and doing so, hopefully learn to better clarify, communicate, and talk about the gospel, his story, the story of Jesus, the message of Jesus. And we'll look at several different passages and scenarios and different kinds of scenarios in the Bible. Um, sometimes interactions, conversations happened in workplaces. Sometimes they happened privately. Um, 
And there's something to be learned from all of those. And I'm confident we'll find things to make our communication better, to be able to talk to people in a more meaningful way and share the story of Jesus. And maybe even give us some confidence to do that, because I know a lot of people struggle with confidence when it comes to talking about Jesus. And I was thinking about when Jesus spoke to large groups of people or when Paul spoke on Mars Hill. And I thought to myself as, as I was contemplating these thoughts, I was like, well, most people don't really speak to large groups of people. Most people speak to, you know, one-on-one -on -one or maybe in small groups. It's more of a, a oh, intimate, close interaction in most people's conversation. But I realized that in the world we live in now, that's not necessarily true. With today's technology, the way we say things, every person with a phone or a laptop has the opportunity to speak to an enormous group of people, even if we may not see them in person. And, you know, there used to be like information gatekeepers who kind of controlled the ebb and flow of information like television and radio and print media. And they, they controlled a lot of the flow of what was said publicly. And, you know, that's not all bad. I don't mean to, to give a poor commentary on that. But because now, you know, anyone can say anything anytime to the entire world, there's a lot of noise and it can be difficult to hear and it can be difficult to cut through all of that noise with the message that we have. You know, for instance, used to, if you wrote a book uh, and wanted to make that available to the public, it would be very difficult to do that. It'd be a long process of getting it through uh, the process of getting it published and finding a publisher willing to publish it. And a lot of that had to do with the cost of it. And obviously, a publishing company isn't going to publish something unless they think they're going to make money on it. But that's changed. That's different now. And anyone who wants to can publish a book and put it for sale on Amazon or any number of other websites. Or you can just give it away as an ebook if you want to. And a lot of people do that. So the cost and the effort that goes into talking to a very large group of people is reduced to almost nil today. It's become very inexpensive to communicate with large groups of people. Um, even now, as, as we're here, you know, we're together in person, but there's people online and that potentially could go to many, many people. Used to, another example, when we advertised a special service like Christmas or Easter for the church, we would take out a, an ad in uh, print, print media and I think the last time we did it, it cost like $1,100 to do that. And it was like an ad like this big and it ran for two days, which is really expensive. That's a lot of money to spend on that. And I'm not saying it wasn't well spent. I mean, we want to get our message out there, obviously. But today, now we can spend you know, a tenth of that on social media advertising and, and reach more people and target the people that we want to reach. So it's just a different way of communicating. And you can hop on the internet, talk to anyone, anywhere in the world, anytime you feel like it. And we sometimes struggle with that. You know, some, some people handle that well, others maybe not so much. But either way, Jesus said to be people who tell his story to the world. And that's our job. That's what we do. And you and I have the greatest opportunity to do that of any generation in history. We have more opportunity. It's easier for us than, than it's ever been because of the means that we have to do that. But not only do we have big opportunity, we've also been given the command to do that. Jesus said, you're going to go into the world and do this. 
And so that's what we want to do. So as we dig into this, let's hope and pray that we take up the challenge, obey the command to talk about Jesus, to tell his story, and to do it well, to do it well. And we're going to be reading from John chapter 3 today. Um, This might be a familiar passage for many. I'm sure most of us have heard this. Maybe you haven't. But it's a private interaction that takes place between Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, and Jesus. And this gives us a good jumping off point into learning how to communicate his story well, uh, what to talk about and how to talk about it. So let's read. We're going to read from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. We're only going to get about halfway through this today, and then we'll pick up again next week. But reading in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, but you do not know these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except he who has descended from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes him, believes in him should not perish, but have, may have eternal life. Verse 16, very familiar verse, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the verdict, that the light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that it may be revealed that his deeds have been done in God. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word, and I pray as we look into it this morning, you might help us better learn to tell your story to the world so that more people might come to know Jesus as Savior. I pray you would renew, refresh in our mind that that's what you have commanded us to do, and that we would obey that command that we would have the courage to do that, that you would encourage us to do that and give us the opportunity. We're thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to preface this with 
as we talk about sharing the story of Jesus, where there's going to be a lot of like kind of theological points that we could stop and talk about and things that we could get into that we won't, because our focus is going to be on how we talk about Jesus. So there's some finer points and things that we're, we're going to go by because we want to focus on communication and talking. And we learn a lot about this passage from the first verse um, of John chapter 3. A Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. So it's a personal interaction. We see that. It's definitely not public. And Jesus wasn't addressing a crowd as he did at other times. He's, he's talking specifically to Nicodemus. And as you read this, it's more of a one-sided interaction so much than a conversation. Jesus does most of the talking. He shares the information, whereas Nicodemus mostly listens and asks questions. And a conversation, I'd say, is more of a balanced exchange of ideas, where this is Jesus giving information to Nicodemus. And sometimes interactions with people are like that. They are like that. But it also may be, you know, sometimes they're a conversation, but there may be other times that we just answer a few questions for someone in our quest to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. And the Bible says that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. It says he is a ruler of the Jews. And because he's referred to as a ruler in Israel, it's likely that he was part of the Sanhedrin, which is like the Jewish Supreme Court. I think there were 72 members of it or something like that. Don't quote me. That's just trivia. But that's likely he's part of the Jewish Supreme Court. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he's a very important man. He's somebody well-established in society. He's well-established. He's well-respected. And Jesus often healed sick people, and he often worked with needy people, and he healed, uh, touched people that other people wouldn't touch. But we also see that telling his story to those who are not necessarily poor, not necessarily sick, those who might be well-established, those who might be better off, telling his story to them is also important. That's one of the points I used to make when I was uh, preparing to immigrate to Australia, was I'd tell people that... Uh, wealthy Western nations need the gospel too. It's important that everyone has the opportunity to hear the gospel. And in my experience, it's often younger people or people with unmet needs, needy people, who are more open to talking about Jesus. When people have everything they need, uh, they're less open to hearing his story. But the nature of man being what it is and what we understand about the sinful nature of everyone, the gospel shows us that everyone is in the same place regardless of a person's social or financial status. We all need to hear the gospel. We all need to hear about Jesus. And so there's a takeaway for you. Regardless of where they are, social, financially, otherwise, it doesn't really matter. Everyone should be given the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And Jesus expects us to give them that opportunity. And our passage tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And interestingly, you notice there he says we. So he's not the only person in his social group who has some interest and wonder about what Jesus is doing. Nicodemus, he's an important man. He's well-respected. He's a Pharisee, he's well-established in his culture, and he has a lot to lose 
by talking to Jesus, possibly even his safety. So he comes to Jesus privately, he comes to Jesus at night, likely because he didn't want his pharaoh, you know, fellow Pharisees, fellow members of the Sanhedrin to see him uh, because he was concerned about how they would respond to that. But he says to Jesus, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. And we know that you wouldn't be able to do the things you do unless God is with you. And Nicodemus could tell that there's something special about Jesus from the things he did and the way he acted, the way he lived. Uh, he could tell he had a special connection with God. And obviously Jesus is the son of God and performed miracles and did supernatural things. But, you know, don't... We don't want to get hung up on the perceived advantages that Jesus might have in sharing his story because people rejected him too. But if you're a saved believer, you're also part of God's family. You're adopted as a child of God. So you're also a son or a daughter of God. And Nicodemus saw the things that Jesus did, and it was enough to bring him to speak to Jesus, even though he had a lot to lose. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verse 15, Peter writes to be holy. He says, but as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all of your conduct. And that verse is obviously speaking about how we live. And the way you live is part of the way you communicate. The way we live is part of the way we talk about Jesus. And the way we live as a Christian is important. It matters. It does matter. And the way you live, it's not what makes you right with God. But it does influence the way others perceive you. It influences the way others perceive Christians. It influences the way people perceive God. So there's another way, another takeaway to, to grab from this is the way you live is part of the way you talk about Jesus. The way you live is part of the way you talk about Jesus. And I've heard that the way we live as believers, I've heard that referred to as being a silent witness. Maybe that's a term you've heard before, being a silent witness. And that's definitely true. And it's great if you are doing that well. That's, that's a good thing. But also, to fulfill the command that Jesus has given us, there has to be a point where we are willing to talk out loud about Jesus to other people. We kind of have to get to that point if we are going to Fulfill the command that we've given. It's, you know, your life, the way you live matters. It's important. It influences the way people perceive you. But we also have to get to a point where we talk about out loud about Jesus. And it was clear to Nicodemus that Jesus was connected with God. And we should live a life that makes it obvious that we are also connected with God. It gives credibility to what we have to say, the way we treat other people, all of those things. A couple of weeks ago, uh, you might remember we talked about some different interactions Jesus had when the Pharisees and Herodians were trying to trap him in his words. Remember, they sent out spies to ask Jesus whether it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not. And there was really no right answer that they thought he could give to that question. And if you remember that, the words that they used when they came to Jesus are actually very similar to the words that Nicodemus used when he comes to Jesus. But the attitude and the intention of those words is, is quite different, quite different between the two. One was intentionally deceptive and intended to do harm, whereas it seems Nicodemus is, is authentic. He's generally wondering what's going on with Jesus, and Jesus reacts differently in both situations. 
And this one that we just read, this is an honest interaction. And I've, I've dealt with both multiple times, and I'm sure you have as well, where sometimes uh, someone might be being deceptive and sometimes someone else might be being authentic and they can use similar words to do both of those things. And that obviously shapes the way interactions go. And one of my mistakes in the past is not doing what Jesus did when the Pharisees and Herodians came to him and just calling it what it is. And Jesus said to him, you know, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? And when we talk, when we communicate Jesus, when we tell his story, there's no need to sensationalize. We should always just speak what's true, what we know. And sometimes calling out things like hypocrisy, pointing out inconsistencies, and deception is warranted. Sometimes that's a good thing to do. And the best way to take the power away from a lie or hypocrisy or deception is to just bring it out in the open and expose it for what it is. But in the case of Nicodemus, that's not him. That's not what he's doing. He's not being deceptive with his words. This is a private interaction. It's an honest interaction. And he says to Jesus, we know that you're from God because of the things you do. No one could do the stuff you do unless they're connected with God. And how Jesus answers that is a statement made in contrast to what Nicodemus says. Because when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you know, you must be born again, that sounds very strange. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's very strict. He's very disciplined in his religion. He believes his moral and religious behavior are what set him right with God. And he's probably very good at it. He's probably very good at his, his religious and moral behavior. He probably lives what seems to be a very good, upstanding life. He was raised that way. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He would be very set in his ways, very settled in what he thinks he knows about God. He has a well-formed picture in his mind of who God is and how to relate to him. And he is settled in that. And here's another takeaway. Pretty much anyone you ever talk to will be like that. And they're going to have, everyone has in their mind a picture of who God is and how to relate to him. It may be way off base, but they have it in their mind and they're very likely settled in it, whether it's made up of assumptions or it's well studied. It could be anything from a wild and crazy picture of who God is to God doesn't exist at all. But they have an idea, a picture in their mind of who God is, how he operates and how to relate to him. And making an effort to understand that picture in their mind will help you know how to talk to them. And Jesus knows what that picture is in Nicodemus's mind. And that's why he answers him with a contrast statement that sounds very strange to Nicodemus. And if it's the first time you've heard it, it would sound very strange to you. When Nicodemus says, we, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if you're hearing that for the first time, that doesn't make any sense compared to what Nicodemus just said. But it does make sense <clears throat> if you look at it in contrast to the picture of who God is that Nicodemus has in his head. Nicodemus, remember, he's a well-established religious teacher, a member of the Sanhedrin, he's a Pharisee. His whole idea 
of how he relates to God is based on his own effort, his own moral purity, his own religious behavior, everything he does is how he sees himself pleasing God and connecting with God and seeing his kingdom. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, you're doing all these good things that obviously mean you're connected with God because that's how you connect with God, religious purity. And that's how Nicodemus sees God's kingdom, which is the way most people view it. That's the way most people view God's kingdom, similar to what Nicodemus does. You do good stuff and you get right with God. The reality is that moral purity and religious works, although they matter, are not what bring people into God's kingdom. It can be proof that someone is part of it, but it's not what gets you there. And what Jesus says to Nicodemus about being born again is a statement in contrast to that. It's a contrast to how Nicodemus perceives God's kingdom and how to see it, how to become part of it. He tells Nicodemus, no one can see God's kingdom unless he's born again. And Nicodemus says, you know, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And he's right. You can't do those things. That's the contrast Jesus is making. You can't do that. Jesus says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And when you think about that, how much effort do you put into being born? Being born happens to you. It's not something that you make happen, like seeing God's kingdom. And it's believing the gospel that brings someone into God's kingdom. Not moral purity, not religious works, but believing the gospel, believing the story of Jesus that it's our job to share. And thank goodness for that. Could you imagine trying to be good enough to be accepted by God and trying to keep all of the Old Testament law? That would be impossible. And in making that contrast, Jesus is leading Nicodemus to a new understanding, a new way of thinking about who God is and how to see his kingdom. And talking about Jesus often involves sharing information that changes the way people view God. And it changes the way people view how to be made right with God or how to enter his kingdom. And Changing your mind about something that you are settled in is very difficult to do, especially the older we get. It gets harder and harder and harder as we get older. And when you read through the New Testament, you see that when people talked about Jesus, even when Jesus talked to people, Jesus himself talked to people, there was times when that wasn't received well. It just wasn't. And it's always been that way. There's always times when people don't receive well the story of Jesus. And when we talk about Jesus and tell a story, we need to remember that. Sometimes that's the way it's going to be. Sometimes people are not going to receive that well, but that shouldn't discourage us. Because even Jesus experienced that. And changing your mind about something that has as much depth as who God is, is very difficult to do. It's hard for people to do that. So when we talk about Jesus, sometimes people receive it well, and that's great. It's wonderful when that happens. Sometimes they reject it. Sometimes they have to think about it. But all we have to do is talk about it. The decision other people make is up to them. We're not responsible for their decision. What we're responsible for is talking about Jesus. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about a different way of relating to God. 
and seeing his kingdom from what he's thought in the past, from what he's grown up with, what he's, what he's always learned. And Nicodemus says, what do you mean by being born again? What do you mean by that? And this, like I said, this is a civil interaction. And I think Nicodemus has a genuine question. He's genuinely like, what's going on here? And sometimes it's like that. If you're willing to talk aloud about Jesus, you will find that God will likely bring you into a place where you have opportunity to do that. If you're willing to do that, if you pray about it, you will find that God's going to bring you together with someone who's going to give you the opportunity to do that. And that very well may be a good experience. It might be a wonderful experience. Not every interaction is, is great, but sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. And Jesus, or Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And at this point, Nicodemus is struggling with this because it's, it's challenging his way of thinking. He doesn't you know, really understand what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus says, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. And in the book of John, the word marvel usually means unintelligent wonder or astonishment. And Jesus says, don't be surprised by what I say. Um, you can understand what this means. Or maybe he's telling him, don't overthink it. But either way, the message of the gospel can be easily understood in an honest interaction. It's not hard to understand. It's not overly difficult. It just needs to be talked about. The message itself is not complicated. We're sinful. We need a Savior. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And sometimes we may be afraid it might shake our confidence a bit to talk out loud about Jesus because we think we don't know enough to do that. But all you have to know about Jesus to talk about him is what you already know. If you're a saved believer, you know how to tell someone else how to come to Jesus. And you remember what I said at the beginning of this, how there will be a lot of theological points along the way that we're just kind of going to let go for now because we're talking about communication, because we're focusing on talking about Jesus and telling his story. And something we can learn from that is that you don't have to have all the answers to talk about Jesus. You just don't. You don't have to have all the answers to talk about Jesus. Matter of fact, I've read and looked at you know statistics and things for, for what those are worth, but most people tend to share Jesus the most immediately after they come to know him. And the longer they're a Christian, the less they tend to share with others. I mean, there's factors that come into that, like your circle of friends kind of grows eventually, morphs into all believers, which is, it's, you know, we kind of have to consciously buck that, or that's just what happens. But it's interesting that people who share Jesus the most are new believers because they don't necessarily know a lot, but they're able to talk about Jesus. I remember right, the first time I witnessed to someone, it was about a week after I was saved, I was working in the uh, back room of a store, and we were slinging cases of beer, because I used to sell beer. And I was talking to this other dude, and he's like, hey, I heard you started going to church. And I was like, yeah. And then we were just doing what we were doing, and I shared the gospel with him. You could tell it was a little off put by it, but he listened. He listened. And I had no idea about anything other than I knew Jesus as my Savior, and I just shared that with him. And that's really all it takes. That's all it takes. So something we can learn about 
from this is that you don't have to have all the answers to talk about Jesus because you're never going to have all the answers. You're always going to get a question that you can't answer. So Jesus goes on to explain more about what he means by being born again. And then Nicodemus goes on to say, how can this be? And, and that's where we're going to pick up next week. But I hope that as we talked about this today, that we've, you've gained some insight, that you've started to think, you know, maybe I can talk about Jesus. Maybe I can, you know, fulfill this mission that we've been given. And I encourage you this week to engage, to talk. And you don't have to run up to someone and start shaking them and, and screaming at them. I and mean, it's not like that. But you could just, I mean, conversations could always start with, Something happened at church on Sunday, and someone said, oh, you go to church. I didn't know that. And it can go from there. It can go from there. And as we do that, I ask you to pray with me for myself and for everyone else, each other, as we look to tell the story of Jesus to the world. If you would, why don't you stand with me for a moment? We'll, we'll pray and close out this morning. But let's contemplate what that is and, and look for opportunity, pray for opportunity to tell the story of Jesus.